0: This is Bigger Questions, with your host, Robert Martin. Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, trashy TV, why can't we turn away? We asked this question today to Dr. Sam Chan. Sam is a theologian, preacher, author, ethicist, cultural analyst and medical doctor. He works as national communicator with City Bible Forum, and he joins me now. Please welcome... Sam Chan. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Sam, welcome back to Bigger Questions. Thank you, Rob. Now, today we're talking about TV. So, do you watch much TV,
1: Sam? Oh, oh, oh. I watch so much TV. Yeah, we have my wife and I we've got three little boys 10, 8, and six our mission each and every night is to get them to go to sleep as early as possible. Yeah. So my wife and I can hit the TV and we watch Netflix and we go through what I call a Netflix red wine mismatch mm-hmm. because you kick off with an episode of Netflix. You pour yourself a glass of red wine. You've finished the episode of Netflix, but you're only halfway through the glass of red wine, so you've got to start another episode of Netflix. But when you finish your glass of red wine, you're only halfway through the Netflix episode, so now you've got to pour another glass of red wine, and before you know it, it's midnight again and you've had a g- bottle of red wine. <laughs> That's right. And I, so I said to a nurse at work, is this a bad thing? Is this something I have to repent of? And she said, well, no, have you had the Netflix screen of shame yet? The Netflix Screen of Shame is a blank screen, nothing but black, and it just says, are you still watching? And because it's gone blank, you see yourself in the reflection of the TV with a tub of ice cream in one hand, ball of red in the other, thinking, yes, I'm still watching. The Netflix Screen of Shame, it's a thing. <laughs> So what about Trashy TV though? So you watch, obviously you enjoy watching your TV. What about Trashy TV? You know the So Bad It's Good kind of show? Oh, we love to say it's so bad it's good. But they know it's bad. They deliberately make it bad to make it good. And I love my Trashy TV. I remember watching Channel 9 and all the good stuff was late at night after midnight. Yeah. Not only were the ads trashy, but the shows were so good. So I was watching Silk Stalkings. Dark Justice, Thunder in Paradise. And I'm seeing a lot of nods in the heads out there. (laughs) So everyone else was watching it. We love our trashy TV. Yeah, what about... It's rumoured, though, that you were a fan of Baywatch Ah, as a younger person. Does that qualify as trashy? I used to watch Baywatch because I was a medical student. I used to watch it for watching the medical side of it (laughs) because they were an emergency response team. I watched it for the resuscitation (laughs) Resuscitation. techniques. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) Baywatch... Let's call it for what it was. Dukes of Hazard, Xena the Warrior Princess. Everyone was watching these shows, not admitting to it, but they were rating in the millions. So, come on, let's all fess up we we're all watching these shows okay well to kick off bigger questions we like to ask a couple of smaller questions we
0: do try to have a bit of fun on the show today we're asking Sam Chan about addictive trashy TV oh, shows so, so Sam I thought I'd test you on how much you know about Married at First Sight
1: now do you feel qualified oh, actually all? absolutely not at all well but there's so many episodes so many seasons yeah yeah. yeah. Okay, there's two questions both yeah. of multiple choice
0: okay on IMDB the internet movie mm. database the world's most authoritative database for movies and TV shows, what user rating does Married at First Sight Australia receive? Now, all shows are rated by users. um, And to provide some context, David Attenborough's award-winning Planet Earth 2 scored 9.5. Okay? So what do users rate Married at First Sight? Is it A, 9.9? It's number one, simply the best show on TV. Is it B, 8.9? It's up there, but Attenborough's Planet Earth beats it. Is it C, 6.9? Solid, but not spectacular or D, 4.9
1: Users don't even think it passes. Ah, listen, that David Attenborough thing, that's so overrated. Like, people, <laughs> people want to go, oh, all, all highfalutin, I watch documentaries. No one is watching documentaries. Like, that's the last thing you feel like at 9 o'clock at night with a glass of red wine, a documentary. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I reckon, well, see, everyone knows it's a 9, but they're too scared to say, oh, it's in the privacy of your own home. I reckon it's a 9. <laughs> you're you're, you're so free going, to admit it's a 9. You're going to go with... Them. I'm going to go 9, uh, A. A, 9.9,
0: 9, number 9. one. 9.9. Oh. Well, the answer's actually D. Oh, um, 4.9. In fact, 34% of users gave it but one out of 10, which was overwhelmingly the most
1: popular rating for the show. Um, so do you think that many people then sort of view the show as trashy then? No, they just don't want to admit how much they <laughs> like it. Okay, I, I think it's IMDB. You've got to log in, so you do have to give your user details and have a username, so people are too scared of Telling you what they the really nine. think. Yeah, okay, that's well. right. They have, they have a reputation to protect as they re- rate okay. it. Well, question two. How
0: many Australians watched the 2018 Married at First Sight finale? Was mm. it A, 24, no-one's interested in shows like Married at First Sight? Is it B, 1.04 million, a very solid ratings performance? Mm. Was it C, 2.4 million, a ratings bonanza? Or was it D,
1: 24 million, every Australian tuned in because we all wanted to know how it ended? All right, okay, well... I, when I did medicine, it was all multi-choice, and you always got to go for the middle ones because it's a bell curve. So yeah. let me go for a, let me go for the second option then, the one million one. I, because I, I, I wouldn't. I know you wouldn't, <laughs> would you? Um, just
0: help okay. just me pass. i so, try one of so, the other ones, okay, one of the other the middle Goldi- options. I'll
1: go for the Goldilocks. Okay, not not too hot, not too cold, just in the middle. How about the, the third one, C? Yeah. Two million, million. Yeah, 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 2.4 yeah. million, yeah. I was- that's how I pass my medical oral <laughs> exams <as well>. like, <laughs> I I want to say it's the heart <laughs> and you look at the examiner's and they're looking, no, no. no, no. <laughs> how about the lungs? Okay, the lungs? The <laughs> brain, the brain, yeah. The brain, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so is the first side. You know, they have a joke. What do you call a doctor? only got 51% in what, his exam? What, what is it, Sam? You call him doctor. Like, like that's all you need. <laughs> 51% is 1% wasted, we used well, to say in medicine. Well, you have nearly got 51%. <laughs> <laughs> that's Because right. then you almost got one out
0: of two bigger questions. You know trash when you see it because you got one, nearly one out of our two bigger, smaller questions. I got a
1: pass, right. which is what I got in medicine. <laughs> that's right. I really did. Please I only got a Sam pass. Please give Sam a big hand.
0: That's <laughs> <Thank right. you. laughs> So Sam, Married at First Sight is a show that many users claim is awful, or they may, they may be lying. Yeah. It doesn't pass on IMDb. In fact, one user did write that the show was a complete and utter waste of time. Watching this will make you want to die. Anyone who watches this is either A, crazy, or B, stupid, beyond stupid. But the show was rating, uh, rating Juggernaut, and the finale uh,
1: ratings Bonanza. So why are shows like Married at First Sight and The Bachelor so popular? Well, you just have to watch it and immediately see. I mean, it's just good drama. Like, there's tension. There's suspense. Just when you want to know what's about to happen, there's an ad break. Oh, (laughs) "Oh, Not the ad break. And the fact that you will stay through the five minutes of ads shows they've got you. You're on the edge of your seat each and every ad break because you just want to know what happens. Will they be together? Will they not be together? What will happen? And you're an investor. You do want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, so they're really... Great drama, that's what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's great. great
0: drama. Yeah. Well, in fact, TV critic Ben Newitz commented and said, but the reason it endures is that it's found a sweet spot for this kind of trash TV, that's mm. what he says, that manages to be controversial and uncomfortable without being completely morally objectionable. So is that
1: true we feel a bit uncomfortable watching it as well? Well it's that getting the tension just right because we are spectators watching almost what is like a gladiator sport and the gladiators we would say that was morally probably wrong because they killed each other okay yeah. so that was they crossed the line and they went one step too far. Mm-hmm. But if there's no tension, no drama, the gladiators are just playing rock, paper, scissors. No one's <laughs> going to turn up to watch that. We do want some drama. There has to be the potential for something going wrong, and maybe even someone getting hurt. And that's sports as well, you know. But I think we know there's a narrow window. If we get it right, you know, not too confronting, not too underwhelming, but just right. Well, that is drama. Mm. But you need good drama though to make it, yeah. make it make it work. But I mean, isn't the the view of the critics perhaps like a bit con?
0: Descending. So uh, one TV critic who wrote at the start of the 2017 Married at First Sight series said that this was the type of TV that only exists for people who haven't discovered that there's actually thousands of hours of compelling quality TV to be watched on very cheap streaming services. So, I
1: mean, is that perhaps an insult to the millions of people who actually enjoy watching Well, Married that's at First the Sight? point. Millions do enjoy watching and millions do know there's something else out there, but millions do just want to have this time. And it's that balance between escapism but it's not escapism it's almost showing my world Mm -hmm. and it's entertainment as well and so psychologists talk a lot about the third space not work not home but a third space and I think that's what this entertainment provides for us a third space not work not home where we can be entertained and drawn in with some drama as well
0: yeah questions come in from our text line from our live audience here. A lot of people would say trashy TV is just a sad reflection of the worst parts of society. Do you think that's fair?
1: I think what sucks us in is we just recognise too much of ourselves in what's going on. So we can call it for what it is, but... It hooks us because there is an emotional connection w- with the characters. We can see in them a bit of us and I think that's what makes it worse. Uh, work. Make it work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God! Well, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm that guy. That's right. Well, perhaps it does mm. make it worse in
0: some ways when you see yourself in the characters mm. that uh, everyone's hating. And,
1: and I, I love do everything I do when I watch it. And I, I can't say to my wife, you know, she reminds me of you. Like, I can't do <laughs> that. <laughs> So drama requires conflict, and it requires,
0: in some respects, villains. Mm. So TV critic Kerry Saxville wrote that, Married at first sight is awful. People there are unlikely to find love, but we love it because we're
1: addicted to
0: the villains.
1: Is that true? Oh, well, drama requires, you know, purpose, thwarted purpose, a hope for a happy ending, the tension to whether you're going to get the happy ending or not, and it requires bad guys, otherwise you would always get the happy ending. Uh, my my kids, when they were young, they used to watch Dora the Explorer, and they couldn't understand why Swiper would have to come on, <laughs> and my kid would be, kids would freak out, Like my, my boy would run out of the room, but it's Swiper, it's Swiper, and he didn't understand you need Swiper for drama, otherwise Dora would always get to the destination, and it's the same with reality TV and all drama, we do need good guys we need bad guys, we need tension and the possibility we may not get the hope for a happy ending. Mm. So that, that raises the question though then, so
0: how real then is reality TV? Because American actor Hill Hartner said, I believe that reality TV
1: should be called not reality TV, it's fiction. Do you mm. agree? Well it threads that delicate fine line between fiction and non-fiction and yes there's a lot of constructed you know drama because in the end Reality is boring. That's why we're watching, because <laughs> our own reality is just day after day after day. Atoms and molecules doing what atoms and molecules do. These are just events. There is no drama. Things just happening. And if we just filmed ourselves, we would be boring. And if you just film these characters, they too in reality are boring. So that's why they have to construct drama. Like there's always a survival. Someone's going to get voted off an island. Like there are ten bachelorettes but there are only nine roses. Like why don't we just give them ten and they'll be, well, we need the drama. Uh, people Mm. have to be able to get voted off so is it a bit contrived then oh listen we all and i think that's a nudge nudge wink wink we know (laughs) it's contrived just like we know there is no tooth fairy there is no santa claus and this is the dangerous one pro wrestling is rigged (laughs) (laughs) reality tv is also somewhat rigged so i had a friend who's living in morocco when the great race went through Morocco. So this is just like The Amazing Race. This oh, is the Amazing Race. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so my friend and a tour guide, it was their job to help the contestants get to the next destination because you can't have them all... ...fail and then you go, no contestants for the next episode. So it is contrived. And the biggest job was they had to make sure... ...the two blonde female contestants passed every time... ...because they had to keep them in for as long as possible (laughs) for ratings. So (laughs) yes, there is a lot of contrived stuff going on. But it's nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We know, just like, you know, pro wrestling's a little bit rigged. You know, (laughs) There's a little bit of rigging going on in reality TV. Yeah,
0: so... Reality TV It points us that we need drama, we need villains, we need a story. So Mm.
1: so what does this tell us? Well, the amazing thing is almost every culture, every tradition, every worldview senses right from the starting point the world is not as it ought to be. In other words, there is a purpose, there is a direction. We're not getting there. Something is wrong with the human condition right now. And there is an arc of history, mm-hmm. so that's drama. Every worldview, every culture understands the worldview, our world, as involved in some sort of drama and conflict. So, how, how is that? How is that drama? Because. there's a tension that we may not get the happy ending we're hoping for Mm -hmm. and also the fact that the happy ending is not right now right now is not where we ought to be something is wrong with our condition Mm. so where do we then find stories that we can connect to there's a a drama that we can be a part of yeah so i learn a lot from ravi zacharias so this is an asian quoting an asian so it must be true (laughs) but ravi zacharias says yes there are great stories everywhere but the Bible is the one that gives the most comprehensive explanation of how things are not the way they ought to be. There are good guys. There are bad guys. There is an arc of history, and there is purpose. There's hope. There's something wrong with the human condition right now, and we need redemption. We need rescue. But why the Bible? I mean, it's an old book. Um mm. uh, been around for a long time. But um, why the Bible? Why the Bible? C.S. Lewis, again, says every worldview, every tradition, every myth, has this drama, these tensions, but the difference between worldviews and myths and fables and stories and the Bible is the big claim of the Bible is the Bible comes to us. So it's not us just creating our own stories to explain our existential human conditions, but the Bible came to us as in the Logos, the Word of God. He came to us. So rather than us just searching for our myths, which have great explanatory uh, power, Yeah, we also have the Logos, John 1, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the Word. He comes to us and he says, I am your storyline. Because that's what Logos means. It doesn't just mean word. It's such a hard word to translate in the Greek, Logos. It's so much more than just the word. It's almost like your storyline became flesh and dwelt amongst you.
0: So, is this why you find the Bible story compelling?
1: Every time I come back to the Bible, there's a different layer and another layer and it becomes more and more deep, more and more complex. Somebody explained, you know, the Bible in a storyline, it's like it's shallow enough a baby can play in it, but deep enough an elephant can drown in it. And every time you come back to the Bible, it's just got richer, deeper layers to its storyline.
0: And so you found it compelling for yourself? Oh, for sure. Yeah, because of that reason?
1: It's got great explanation power ah oh, that's why the world is as it is it's got great principles to follow you think hey wow if i follow these principles it works it does help my life my marriage my me being a, a parent a father my work everything and more than that more than just being an example principles follow it offers power like it's a it's the word the the god breathes spirit word of god And as we read it, we meet Jesus and his spirit. If we trust him, he lives in us. So it's got the power to change us as well. So obviously you've shared that the biblical story
0: is compelling for you. uh, But Married at First Sight is a TV show that starts with weddings. And the Bible tells many stories about weddings. In fact, Jesus tells a parable or a short story about a wedding in the New Testament. The New Testament Gospel of Matthew, which is one of the four biographies of Jesus' life that we have. So Sam, why did Jesus speak in parables? Aren't these kinds of stories a bit simple for a great teacher or a guru?
1: I love the way that Jesus used parables. And we get so used to parables now, but you've got to see what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He was giving us trashy TV, his <laughs> own version of trashy TV. He could have gone, oh, David Attenborough documentary, <laughs> oh, look at the African hummingbird and the speed of its wings. He could have quoted Plato and Socrates and showed off how, how well read he was. Instead, he, he uses parables. It's almost like... There was a Levite, there was a priest, and there was a Samaritan, and they walked into a bar. he yeah. And it's just reality TV, things that we could resonate with, with great drama.
0: Yeah, well, there's great drama in the parable that we'll look at now, um, which might have made potentially a good reality TV. Uh, it starts in Matthew 25 by describing the kingdom of heaven like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. So you
1: think this could make a good reality TV challenge? Oh, this is perfect reality, trashy TV. It's got all the formulas. It's got a wedding ten bridesmaids, and they're already a little bit catty towards each other. There's interpersonal conflict. They're going to get voted off because there's only five who are going to make it in. <laughs> five are going to get voted off. And, oh. um,
0: Anyway, so the virgins all then fell asleep, and the drama is created, particularly in verse 6, when at midnight the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Now, the appearing of this bridegroom is perhaps a bit different, or maybe it's similar. To when the bachelor is unveiled, perhaps? Uh, I
1: don't know, what do you think? It's very much like that, except here the, the groom is already married, so right, the groom's okay. not a bachelor, but really, you've got the same form. You've got ten women. Not all will get in. He's only got five roses. Who's he <laughs> going to get the five roses too?
0: When the bridegroom appears, the virgins all woke up and trimmed their lamps, but the foolish ones didn't have enough oil and tried to get extra from the wise. But there won't be enough, so they send the foolish off, to buy extra. Now there's real tension here and also at this point feels a bit like The Amazing Race. Mm. You know, they've got to get to the teams must, travel, team's must travel and get some oil and return back before the bridegroom shuts the door. And
1: he gets, We've got to make sure at least five still get in before right? <laughs> <laughs> ten miss out.
0: Yeah. So but the ending does shock you a bit though because it says but while they were on their way to buy all the oil the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in
1: and with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. So it's a bit dramatic. So what do, you, what do you make of the ending? I remember my friend Jonathan Dykes, who's an amazing preacher and teacher, when he went through this parable, he, he said, I've been to many weddings. I've seen this happen, this happen, this happen at a wedding, but I've never been to a wedding where w- when the groom turns up to the reception, he looks at five of the bridesmaids and says, I don't know you. Boom! and closes the door on them. He says that has never happened to him at a wedding. No. No.
0: So what is that what's the significance of that? What does that mean?
1: I It think sounds very harsh. The punchline is I did not know you, which shocks us because surely the groom should know the bridesmaids. They should have had a few rehearsals before I remember when I was on, I was on a lot of bridal parties. We had to do dance rehearsals. We had to do the poker because I was going to, I don't know why they make us do that. If you can't dance, why will they force you to dance? You can't sing, no one would force you to sing. But anyway, surely the groom did know of the bridesmaids. So the shock is, I did not know you. And that's a punchline. What Jesus is saying is there is an in, there is an out. There's not, oh ten 10 bridesmaids. There are many ways into the wedding, all will work. No, there's only one way into the wedding. Some will make it, some will not make it and the criteria is, did you know the groom? Did you know him? And, and that's, that's what will get you in or that's what will get you out if you did not know the groom. Well that's how the
0: parable concludes and he replies, tell, truly I tell you I don't know you. And then he says, therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So he's he's saying here, keep watching here, or you might miss out. It's important to stay tuned. So what should we keep
1: watch about? That's where we find out the oil was just a MacGuffin. It was just a plot device. It really was, in the end, if you knew the groom, you would have been alert and waiting for the groom, and you would have had the oil. So the cause and effect goes the the other way. But if we know Jesus, we are alert, we're aware. Somehow our senses are heightened like spider tingly senses from spider-man you think wow there is a god who loves me who made me who saves me and he lives for me and i will live for him as he lives for me so suddenly as an asian person growing up i never used to notice roof racks that's because asians don't need roof racks because asian parents don't surf they don't bike and they don't camp <laughs> so they need roof racks but now i bought roof racks They are everywhere. My senses are tingling. They're everywhere. And it's the same. We lived our whole life as if there is no Jesus. We don't know him. But once we know him, we suddenly see his fingerprints everywhere. There's a Jesus who loves me, who made me. He died for me. He lives for me. And I will live for him as he lives for me. So we sense his fingerprints and his wisdom and his spirit everywhere.
0: Mm Why should we be watching out? What should we be watching out for in particular? Yeah.
1: So Jesus used that parable in a whole collection of trashy TV parables, extending the metaphor. Mm -hmm. There's a whole cluster of them. And one after the other, they're trying to show us be alert, be ready, because not only do we believe in a Jesus who came to us as a real live person, a human being, not only do we believe in a Jesus who died for us, not only do we believe in a Jesus who's risen from the dead, but we actually believe in a Jesus who will one day physically come again and set up a kingdom here on earth. And so as a believer and follow Jesus, it's not just, oh, okay, I believe now, I'll get my sins forgiven, I'll have eternal life, one day I'll be in heaven when I die. No, each and every day between now and Jesus comes again, I have a mission, I have a purpose, and that is to bring a little bit of Jesus on this planet and work to bring his love, mercy, justice, and hope here. So be alert, be ready, work for Jesus. So we've just gone through this parable, this this trashy story, so to speak. Um, What's the biggest story that it teaches us? The biggest story, and we were riffing on this before, how with all the reality TV, there's survival. Will you be voted off? Will your cake be good enough? Will you get the rose? It's all conditional, conditional on did your alliances work? Did your partnerships work? Did your was your cake made good enough? Did you get the rose? Did you? How was your first date with a bachelor? So it's all conditional, but with Jesus, it's unconditional.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He loves us just the way we are. It's unconditional love. And the drama now is flipped. The drama is how on earth can this be unconditional love? How on earth can the God of this universe love me just the way I am? That is the drama, and that's the drama of the Bible. So a theologian like Kevin Van Hoozer calls the Bible the drama of redemption. Mm-hmm. How will God engineer this that there can be unconditional love and spoiler alert, it's at the cross. It's because Jesus dies for us on the cross that there is the possibility of unconditional love. And that is the drama of redemption in the Bible. Mm. And so, the tension is what we'll do with that offer. Yeah, I suppose that's the... Will we take the rose? It's almost like flipped around. The rose is offered. Now, will you take it?
0: I suppose that's the, the purpose of the parable in many yeah. ways, isn't
1: it? That there's going to be a... The groom's coming. The groom's He's coming. giving you a rose. What are you going to do? Do you know him?
0: Yeah. If you know him, you'll be so excited. Of course you'll have oil. Mm. So that makes a difference then, doesn't it? It's not just that it's uh, what are you going to do to get the favor of the the bride? The groom. groom. It's actually do
1: you know him? Yes, that's right. So sometimes I remember a friend telling me we think we want too much of God, but it's the opposite. We want too little of God. Maybe we want the blessing. We want the miracle. But God actually wants us to know him, which is way more. So, a great parable, uh, not a parable, this happened real, so it's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not reality TV. In Luke, where you have the 10 lepers come to Jesus, Jesus heals all 10 of them. They get the healing, they get the blessing, but only one comes back to know Jesus. Mm. So, it's a bit like, you know, Melbourne, where it's such a coffee culture. You go to the Bristol, they know your order, they know your name, you know their name, they make some small talk, how are the kids, how's work. But actually, they don't know you. Mm. They're an acquaintance, a business acquaintance. Because they're not gonna invite you to their wedding. They're just an acquaintance. And that's the point. God wants to know us as more than just an acquaintance. He wants us He wants to know us. Mm. That's why the drama of redemption ends in a wedding. And we get to go to the wedding. And we get to go to the wedding. Because at weddings you don't invite acquaintances. You, ask, you invite the people you know. Mm. So Sam, <laughs> yeah. trashy TV, why can't we turn away? Because there's drama and life is a drama. We all sense there's more to life than what it is. There's something wrong with our present condition. There's purpose. There's hope. And there's the offer of redemption, which is what reality TV offers you at the end. Let me leave you with the Bible's reflection on the big question.
0: Why can't we turn away from trashy TV from Matthew 12, 11. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Dr. Sam Chan. Enjoy Bigger Questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a podcast. Support the show. Go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.
1: Hey there, I'm Aaron Johnstone. And I'm Amy Item. Thanks for listening to Bigger Questions. Did you know that we've started a new companion show called Deeper Questions? We'll have a bunch of Christian guests that we think are worth hearing. But we'll also speak to people who are sceptical, people who are unsure, people who are investigating, and people who have lost their faith.
0: You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to Deeper Questions today and look out for new episodes dropping weekly.